Hear ye, hear ye, word nerds. Be forewarned. This podcast contains saucy language of the modern and early modern variety. So plan your listening accordingly. Or don't. That's a choice you can make. Don't say we didn't warn you. This is only our th- third one. That's not right. It can't it's be. It's our fourth one? No, we did. We did Hamlet. Richard, we did Richard. Othello, Hamlet. Have we, we, we did an RJ? Othello 301? Didn't we? I don't think so. All right. Well, it's not important what number this is. Nope, it's not. Welcome to the Hurly Burly Shakespeare Show. We are your hosts, Jess Hamlet. And Aubrey Whitlock. And together we are Hamlet. And this week it's Macbeth 301. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that you enjoy the show and come back for more. So things are a little different for 301 level episodes. It's different from the last time we did a 301. (laughs) And it'll probably change again the next time we do a 301. Because 301s are like graduate level topics, whatever the fuck we want. Uh, Yeah. 101 episodes give you an overview of the chosen play. 201s explore a couple of topics arising from usually a close reading. And 301s will generally be sort of outside ideas, concepts, or lenses applied to a particular text. And that is, and that means because we want 301s to be like hyper-focused, we're not going to be including some of our usual features like a rhetorical device of the week, or burbage breaks, or games, or laughter, or fun, or hope. <laughs> All right. Way it's very be... bleak. Okay, sure. Um... So for 301 episodes, and I mean most episodes, except for the 101s, frankly, we operate on the assumption that you know the play. Yes. Um, If, however, for some wild reason you got here and you're like, Mick who? Um, Maybe. (laughs) This is not the episode that you want to start with. And you should go back to Macbeth 101 and or Macbeth 201, which are both in season one. Yes. In general, we want to use 301 level episodes to explore a single aspect of the play under discussion. And this week, we're talking about a 19th century adaptation of Macbeth called the Macbeth Travesty. Yep. Which, like, a more accurate title, I don't think there ever could be. It is a travesty. (laughs) It's so good. It's so good, you guys. Okay, so um, what the fuck? What is that? What is a travesty in this context? I mean, I get generally like what a travesty right. is. Right. And why are they things? Jess, tell me true. Well, all right. Or, oh, <laughs> I oh, mean, I see how you've got this parceled yeah, out. I, I didn't out look at that. Oh, okay. Well, then I will answer my own question. <laughs> what is a travesty and why are they things? Travesties are basically parodies, but with only the most minimal amount of effort. Oh, boy. Boy, howdy. Okay. (laughs) It's like when you take a thing, in this case, Macbeth, and you just change the title. You change just a little, but you use incongruous language and style to make it redonkulous. 
this will become clear as we start to get into this one because we are going to read you a selection or two uh, mm-hmm. from this text. Uh, Shakespeare himself uses travesty in Midsummer. The mechanicals certainly don't intend Pyramus and Thisbe to be comedic, but their lack of skill and the material renders it utterly absurd. So if you're thinking, like, this is the Pyramus and Thisbe version of Macbeth, <laughs> if you really will. Is. It, it really is. It really is, though. Like, there's musical interludes and stuff. Yeah. So Victorian travesties were popular in London mostly between the 1830s and the 1890s. They were highly musical, intended to mock the original conventions while quoting the text and music from the original thing. The comedy often stemmed from the absurd adherence to classical dress, settings, and speech being juxtaposed with modern music and actions by the actors. Early travesties, like the one that we're talking about today, used the tunes to existing popular songs. Yes, and I went and I found them. Yeah, girl. So excited about it. Um, Shakespeare was one of the most frequent subjects of the travesties, with dialogue written in poorly rhymed couplets, peppered through with bad puns. That's an understatement. Uh, One example from a different Macbeth travesty goes like this. Macbeth and Banquo enter under an umbrella, and the witches greet them with hail, hail, hail. Macbeth asks Banquo, What mean these salutations, noble thane? Banquo responds, these showers of hail anticipate your rain. Boo! Get out! That's terrible. That's worse than a Jess Hamlet original. Oh, rude. Oh, snap. Yep, I'm coming out shooting in this episode. All right. Um, the- <laughs> theatrical travesties, also known as burlesques, come from uh, the Italian word burla, which literally burla. means... Joke, ridicule, or mockery. Uh, They were hugely popular on the Victorian stage. Hugely. Hugely. The Macbeth travesty that we're talking about today is from 1820. It was written by someone called Rush Moore, which is obviously a fake name. I love it. And it was printed in Calcutta. Um, I found it at the Folger when I was doing dissertation research in July, and I didn't know what it was from the catalog entry, but I called it up because it was from India in the approximate time period that I was looking for. And boy, was I not disappointed. Oh, man. (laughs) Um, As of today, it's not actually in the dissertation because it's not at all fucking relevant in any way at all. But I'm so happy that we get to share it with you because oh sweet <laughs> dear lord baby jesus <laughs> like I i'm just, so excited like let me let me walk you through what mm-hmm. happened that day please do so set I, the scene yeah so i had i'd done some preliminary folder catalog digging right because you never want to show up on the first day and then like have to find shit you want to have shit when you get there so i'd called it up it was there waiting for me didn't really know what it was, but I'm working, chapter four of my dissertation works on Shakespeare in India in the uh, mid-19th century. So I was like, you know, it's sort of-ish, around-ish, the time-ish. Let me see what this is. And then I I saw it. Uh-huh. And the first scene is fucking iconic. It is, yeah. And um, I tweeted it. And then I texted it to everyone I know. And then I got in touch with the guy 
who basically runs the staged reading series here at UA. And I was like, look, I'm not telling you how to live your life and I'm not telling you how to do your job. But what I am telling you is that I have a full image set of this. So. Oh, man. Yeah. So I think we're going to do a stage reading of it yes. in the spring. Yeah. <gasps> yes. Yeah. I'm so, so anyway, excited. Um, should we should we read the first scene? To yes, give our, I our think listeners? we should. I think okay. we should. I don't think people are going to really understand what we mean by no. like weird rhymes and terrible puns until yeah, yeah. until we put this into action until we yeah. stage it i'm definitely warning you ahead of time i'm gonna do voices for the witches so oh great okay i'll let you um great. maybe <laughs> maybe we just go until ross and angus enter that's not sure 40 lines or so sure okay do you want to be Macbeth or banquo i would love to be Macbeth. all right great uh wait do you get to see Oh, God damn it. You do get to say the good line. Uh, fine. I'll let you do it because I love you. Thanks. I mean, this but if you would, if, to you. if you would rather. No, be, no, you no, can. no. I think you'll do okay. it better than I could. I guess maybe. <laughs> All right. OK. OK. So just to be clear. Yes. Aubrey is Macbeth. Yes. Jess is Banquo. But yep. Aubrey is also the witches. Yes. OK, great. I, let me let me set the scene by reading Do, the stage directions. Please, yes. Okay, yes. So this is Macbeth travesty. Period. Mm. Act one. Scene one. Scotland. You don't say. A wood. Mm. Witches sitting round a cauldron. Semicolon. Mm. Thunder and lightning. That actually might not be a semicolon. Uh, hard, I think that's hard just to, a period. Hard to tell. Yeah. With a smutty daub. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> Fun. Okay. It's an inside joke for anyone who took textual culture with Paul Menzer. Mm. You're welcome. Easter egg for those MBU grads. <laughs> and I've just alienated the entire rest of our readership, listenership. It's all right. Wow. It's all right. We'll, we'll get okay. them back the minute right. we start talking. It's okay. Thunder and lightning. Pew, pew. That's what lightning. What is that? That's the lightning. Lightning doesn't make a fucking noise, Yeah, but this Aubrey. is radio, Jessica. Okay. Banquo, my life and thine together have not seen such ticklish weather. Most noble Mac, I really wonder it does not split the clouds asunder. But let's sit down. We'll load our pipes and take a friendly glass of swipes. They sit down. Heaven forbid I should not, or e'er refuse a friendly tot. But Master Banquo, by the by, don't you think it's all my eye, a sort of degradation, too, that two such lads as I and you should only Duncan's generals be, who fitter are to reign than he? Whilst I've a heart, my Mac shall share it. Methinks we'd better grin and bear it. But yonder sit a motley group of ragged devils making soup. Not unlike are they to witches. Let's hold a parley with the bitches. <laughs> <laughs> good morrow <laughs> good morrow witches mac my name is the very worthy thane of glamis oh oh hail thane of glamis soon you'll see that you will thane of cawdor be fresh honors jump upon thy back thou shalt be king hereafter mac king by the gods, I like the sound. Confirm it, and here's twenty pound. The king's alive and Cawdor well. Take such lies back with ye to hell. 
But tell me, pray, how long twill be ere I arrive at Majesty? The witch is vanished. The devil's in it. Here's a rig. They've all genteely hopped the twig. But why stares Mac thus at my fizz hard? What is it thus sticks in thy gizzard? I love this so much. Okay, sorry. I greatly am, my friend, perplexed. A little pleased, a little vexed. But yonder, Ross and Angus come. I think they have some news, by gum. Their faces are than usual broader. Good morrow to you, Thane of Cador. <laughs> I just had to finish the rhyme. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, so... let's, let's hold a parley with the bitches. I feel... Is it not the most iconic line I that feel Shakespeare seen. never wrote? <laughs> ah, I love it so, so just much. like the whole 44 pages are just oh my that. God. It's yes. poorly rhyming couplets oh, it's so that good. are so very 19th century. They're so good. Oh my God. They're so yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so what I wanted to point out for folks, because I know that, that inquiring minds want to know, mm-hmm. is how uh, how did Mr. Rush Moore <laughs> treat um, some of the more famous lines in, mm-hmm, in Macbeth, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, first of all, I, I wouldn't call this line, like, an iconic line from the original play. I just found its... Um, translation very funny okay. and that's uh the when duncan arrives at uh at the i don't know if yeah. you can see this but it's it's literally circled i love it i love it so much what um what page is that uh it is pdf page nine great 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 okay Since you can't actually yes uh, okay read the page so yeah that's printed on there right so just to refresh everyone's memory from mm-hmm. shakespeare's version mm-hmm. when duncan mm-hmm. arrives at the macbeth's uh abode uh he says this castle hath a pleasant seat the air nimbly and sweetly recommends itself unto our gentle senses and, and jess would you travesty. please yep what's he say duncan says this castle hath a pleasant seat. Upon my soul, it's devilish neat. The air itself is sweet as honey, or double twisted macaroni. <laughs> <laughs> I have been cackling all afternoon about this yep. fucking play. Yep. Um, oh, Lordy be it's so yeah, good. I sent that just without any context to the new MA students in our program here. <laughs> uh-huh. And they were all just like, oh yeah, fucking iconic. Not a single one of them questioned like, what is this? And I was like, you guys are in the right place. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, uh, okay. Um, then there's, let's see. It's a little before that, um, but it's before the, that. it's the unsex me here part. Yeah. Um, it kind of doesn't Which happen. happens in song, if it happens yeah. at all. Yeah. FYI. Happens yeah. in song to the tune, Drops of Brandy. Yes, to the tune, Drops of Brandy, which sounds like this. Um, Weird, weird bit of side trivia. When I went on like a YouTube video search for all of these um, tunes... The one that popped up for Drops of Brandy on the bagpipes in particular was a guy from Turlock, which is like 20 minutes from my hometown. <laughs> I know. 
Uh, just for me. That's just local trivia for me. Nobody else gives a flying fuck at all. Nope, but sure don't. So uh, let's see. Let's hold a parley with the bitches. I missed it. Where did it go? Drops like of right brandy. Yes. Uh, okay. I'm not going to try to say it to the to that cadence, but um, why this now is just as I wish it. He's Cawdor and, sh- and shortly shall King be. Oh, God, there's so much hyperbaton around here to keep the mm-hmm, rhymes right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it was it was prime that thus he should fish it. There could not a luckier thing be for Duncan no more shall MacNeil will after will alter the system completely just give him an inch of cold steel and hush up the business neatly but i do much fear there's a thing though i think it is nothing but nonsense which carries a kind of sharp sting which people do nominate conscience <laughs> but still he's ambitious i know and ambition will lead to the devil so to hell good king duncan must go and macbeth in his place here shall revel Mm-hmm. Oh, Macbeth, where art thou, my dear? Fly, fly to the arms of thy dearie. That kindness of thine, I much fear, will make this same job rather dreary. I'll set off in search of my lord, and give him advice if he's needy, to do in a deed that's ad adhorred, not abhorred, I mean, adhorred. Typos, typos, Right, typos. yeah, it's great, though. <laughs> to get that for which he's so greedy. Yeah, um, that's kind of it, really, I guess. And then Macbeth comes in. And then there's another song a couple minutes later called Cease Your Funning, which I think is great. And it sounds like this. are magic you guys you guys don't I mean, even know so one of one of the famous speeches uh i'm on pdf page uh 10 now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um is if it were done twere well it were done or if it were done when tis done twere well it were done quickly the yes, assassination yes. could trim up that one yes um, very famous again this happens in song <laughs> To a tune called Liberty Hall, which, tragically, I was unable to locate on the internet. Yep. Uh, And it's just the first little bit is, if this job were done, it were better done quickly. I must own that it makes me at heart very sickly to ask the king here to my famed table d'hote. French something. And afterwards cut his majestical throat. Yay. Tolderall. And C. Yep. Tolderall. 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 Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Delightful, fucking delightful. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, there. What are some more iconic Macbeth lines? Oh yeah. Um, when Lady Mac is like, "We fail. Screw your courage to the sticking place, and we will not fail." Immortalized, of course, to music already in the Beauty and the Beast, uh, from Disney, a Disney classic. Um, what? Yeah, you know that part oh, yeah, where Gaston yeah, yeah, yeah. is like, we're going to yeah, kill yeah, the beast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Screw yeah. your courage to the sticking place. It also happens in The Lion King 2. Oh, does it? Yeah. I've Which, never seen that. P.S. is criminally underrated. Mm. It's so good. It's okay. so very, very good. It's Romeo mm. and Juliet is what it is. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. With a little Macbeth thrown in. 
Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. The Romeo's mom is evil. She's Scar's widow, uh, and she she fills the Lady Mac Ooh. Um, trope. Yeah. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe I should watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so mm-hmm. that moment in the travesty is Macbeth says, "If we should fail." She says, why then we fail, and for our necks we must give leg bail. When fast asleep the king doth lie, then cut his throat. The dead can't lie. She rhymes lie, L-Y-E, with lie, L-I-E. I'll stuff his chamberlains with wine, to which being tired they'll both incline. And when we've bled their worthy master, with blood their faces will be plaster. Then give them, leave themselves to feel some few odd inches of cold steel. Thus men shall think they did the deed, and we will their suspicions feed. <laughs> and then they sing a duet. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh my god! Uh, oh, it's my favorite. Yeah. Is it my favorite? Yeah. Okay. Um, what are some other good Macker's lines? Um, like I, the porter part, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know how I feel about the porter, I even in do. this. I don't love. Him. I do. <laughs> yeah, he's weirdly I not the best thing about no. about yeah. this. Um, I just love some of the like early 19th century just sl- slang stuff too, like <laughs> jumping the twig. Um, they've jumped the twig to, I presume, given context clues, to mean they've scampered off, they've run away. Yeah, they um, say they say like jump the twig a lot. I think yeah. it has some some versatile meanings. Okay, uh, and then there's there's classics like dash my wig. There's someone knocking. This fear of mine is really shocking. <laughs> Good old Macbeth. It's mm-hmm. so good. Um, they call their hands flippers mm-hmm. a lot. It's real weird. One of my favorite things is uh, after Macduff comes in uh-huh. and discovers the body, uh-huh. uh, he says, Some poor rogue Duncan's life has shut up by ripping his majestic gut up. <laughs> <laughs> That's real I love good. It. Yep. Yeah. Real, yeah. real good. It's really good. Um, mm-hmm. And then Macbeth immediately says, you joke, sir. <laughs> You're joking. You're joking. I'm not joking. You're joking. Nope. Nope. nope definitely uh, not. One of one of the, I think, most quintessentially 19th century moments uh, happens on page 34. Okay. Um, Let me where Macbeth uh, is going back to see the witches. You know this moment. How now you <gasps> secret midnight hag. Yes what is you do a thing without a name um uh-huh. he he it's that speech and then we get a lot of pop culture references so let me read it to you can i can i preface this though on page 33 the scene begins with hecate saying by the itching of my noddle some great rogue does this way toddle okay so it's continue yes continue yeah. please with your yes uh so uh, who says this? Uh, Hecate, I suppose, says the thumb uh-huh. of my le- left hand two itches. Uh-huh. Um, and Macbeth enters and he says, "How now, ye secret, you ye sacred midnight bitches? What's the rig? I'm going to task you and beg you'll answer what I ask you. Though you untie the winds and let eunuchs twins of maidens get, Ooh. who shall upon the throne be set? Though Saint Paul's steeple should be bent until it meet the monument." Or though a mare at Drury Lane should tread the boards as Crazy Jane? 
Yeah, that's a lot of name dropping that yeah, nobody so, in this century would understand. I mean, we we get St. Paul's, right? Yes. Like if you if you know London, St. Paul's you Cathedral, know Saint Paul's. London, yeah. for show. Sure. Drury Lane uh, was a super popular playhouse, like the leading playhouse question mark in London. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know what Crazy Jane is. That's a reference that is lost on me. I assume mm-hmm. it's some kind of There are of a lot character. of ladies' names thrown around in yeah. here. Like, oh, by Peggy? I'm like, yep. who's Peggy? Wow. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Uh, those were all the things that I really yeah. wanted to talk about. And once so. again, Macbeth calls the witches bitches. Yeah. But I find it interesting that elsewhere in the text, bad words are bleeped out, like whore mm-hmm. and, and stuff. But not bitches when it's referring yeah. to the witches. Yeah. There's Interesting. There's, they censor whore, and there was, like, one other one that got censored. Forget what it was. So the witches go through their little prophecy, talking about, you know, stuff, and he sees ghosts and things. Um, then let me find the part. <laughs> the Macduff part. <laughs> okay, so um, the very sad part in... Mac, the actual Macbeth where Macduff is like, oh, my pretty chickens in their dam, they're all dead. What? And he's sad. Um, it is sung in this uh, travesty to a tune called Roy's Wife of Aldevalach. And it is the most up-tempo, raucous, like, imagine Rose down in the down in the depths of the Titanic partying with Leo type of like party jig song. Here it is. Um, so it doesn't match the tune at all, but he says, What, my every chickabitty? Tell me truly, did he, did he? Did he run his pointed skiver slapdash into her precious liver? The dog, the cruel rogue, to kill my wife, my children all too. Killing seems to be in vogue. I, the work myself, shall fall too. Uh, in this one, Macbeth says he's going to rape Lady Macduff. Did you oh. catch that? No, I guess I yeah. missed it. Yeah. But he's like, uh, I'm going to go kill the the Macduffs, and uh-huh. I think I'll, I'll ravish his wife, is what oh, he says. Fun. Yeah. What a so dude. That's that's an interesting Oh, it's bitch is the other one they censor. Which uh, weird. Like yeah, bitches but, is okay, yeah. but bitch singular is not. Yeah. I don't understand. When you're when you're talking to your wife, ah. you you cannot actually say bitch, but if you're talking about witches, you can. You can call them bitches. Great. Good to know. Um then of course the iconic, you know, out damn spot out I say sounds like this instead. Yet here's a spot. And oh my eye, in vain I every effort try to make it from my poor hand go. When I say yes, it bellows no. Fie, my lord, a soldier you. Hell is hot and murky too. Oh my eye and Betty Martin. Again, we don't know who Betty Martin is. Let not petty fears dishearten. What will these hands never be clean? Fife, you've a wife. She's dead, I mean. This little hand, so round and neat, now stinks of blood. It once was sweet. Trim your whiskers, go and shave. I tell thee Banquo's in his grave. There's knocking, dearest, at the gate. To bed, to bed. It's dark, it's late. Give me your hand, my precious dicky. Your flipper is most wondrous sticky. Nay, if you flinch, I'll break your head. Come come along. To bed. To bed. Oh, my goodness. 
Give me your hand, my precious dicky. Your flipper is most wondrous sticky. So gross. So gross. So gross. Um, and then right after, there's another duet between the Doctor and Macbeth to a tune called Bob and Joan, which goes a little something like this. Adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know what else. Oh, and where is it? Um, oh, yes. And then, of course, the tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow speech becomes, my lord, alas, the queen is dead, attendant says. How died she? In a feather bed? She should have died hereafter, though, and not have broke my, oh, dear, oh, life's but a shadow, fun, but scandal. Wind, by your leave, I'll douse the candle, but this no time of... <laughs> But this no time is for our sorrow. I'll fight today and cry tomorrow. Fly, muster men! I'll not be slack. I'll in and ring for the attack. And then they battle. And then, oh my goodness. I'm going to need your help with this ending, Jess, if you're okay. Uh, What page are we on? Um, 4344. Um, It's Malcolm, Ross, and Angus. Great. Uh, Macduff is already there. He's just fought and stabbed and killed Macbeth. Uh uh Um, If we could just read it through like that if like we'll just alternate characters if that's okay with you yeah from from the entrance from from enter malcolm ross and angus yeah okay so this is mcduff malcolm there's the man we hated most preciously spifflicated thanks to your worthy friend mcduff he's dead you're king i'm right enough malcolm says when I am crowned, I'll make amends for all your kindness, worthy friends. You shall sit in Parliament. My love unto you is so bent. <laughs> and when a peerage may be wanted, ask for your friends. You shan't be scanted. You bold duff shall be field marshal, for to thy valor I am partial. Ross, thou art a trusty man, I count. Thou shall be chancellor and viscount. Angus, you must change your habit, will make thee justice, vice abbot. We'll drink and gamble. Whoops, I skipped a line. And my good friends, when we're, whene'er we choose, we'll drink and gamble. Should we lose, we soon again in wealth can float. Every member has a vote. Another tax on what we please. We'll e'er support our dignities. Macduff says, we doubt not what thou dost aver. Ross says, Methought I saw that body stir. Malcolm Malcolm says, <laughs> Did you? Here's the way to know if he be alive or no. Out with your swords, strike up fiddles, stabs him. You've doubtless oftentimes seen riddles. He lived a rogue, and on my soul he, now he's dead, shall be right holy. And they stab Macbeth some more, who's already dead, yep. while the curtain falls. Finis. <laughs> Printed by S. Greenaway and Company in Calcutta. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh man. It's yep. so, so, yep. so, so good. This uh, this text is magical. I Now, you, may, you can probably tell me this because you're the one thinking about Shakespeare in India and stuff. Yep. Well. Um, why... 
With this, with a piece like this, yes, it's meant to be, you know, satirical and it's meant mm -hmm. to be a send up of, of mm -hmm. Macbeth. Was this also like a, a pushback against the British Empire? Oh was God, this... no, no, no. This was written by the English in India for the English in India. Okay. Yeah. This, this was not colonial nonsense. Got this it. is not for Indians or by Indians or about Indians. Got it. This has nothing to do with the natives nope. of India. Nope. At all. Nope. Great. This is British posh people entertaining yeah. each other. Yeah. This was for the English stage in Calcutta. Oh, fantastic. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Then like, so its purpose really was just to be silly and funny. Yep. I was in, you know, my little political theater brain. I was like, I bet the Indians had a good time with this, like making fun of their colonizers. But no. Nope. Nope. You've dashed nope. my hopes. Yep. Ugh. Rude. Sorry. <laughs> so. Should we that's... gossip? Great. Okay. So it's time for a little Shakespeare bubble gossip. Um, the handsome and talented and brilliant always David Sterling Brown has dropped a new piece of writing on us. Here we go. Uh, okay. So his latest article, um, he posted it on the 20th of August. It's called the Sonic color line Shakespeare and the canonization of sexual violence against black men. Um, and it's on medium.com. We will post a link through to it um, in our episode notes for this episode. Um, but basically, he talks about, first he talks about uh, Aaron the Moor in Titus Andronicus and also Morocco in The Merchant of Venice and about how essentially the um, the white female characters that these men encounter in their respective plays give no fucks at all about their feelings uh, and and use their bodies uh, and then and then sort of throw them away um, which of course we know Portia doesn't go that far Portia just says really racist shit about Morocco um, and, but like Tamara basically uses up Aaron and spits him out and his argument basically is that um, he says about that rather she wants to use his black body which Shakespeare depicts at, in the play as stereotypically savage and hypersexual and then immediately enter a, quote, golden slumber following their orgasmic climax, or maybe just her orgasmic climax. It's hard to tell if Aaron's sexual relief matters here. Regardless, Aaron experiences a dual assault coming from within and outside of the play. Tamara does not truly hear this black man's sadness, despite affirming she sees it. Uh, and he's talking about the moment in particular where in Act 2, Scene 3... Tamara finds Aaron in the forest and asks, wherefore looks thou sad when everything doth make a gleeful boast? Um, and Aaron is a little more melancholy. He's arguing that, that basically um, these men are overlooked and sexualized and then thrown aside and how, and how we deal with that. Um, did you read it, Jess? Uh, not yet. No. Things to say about it. No, um, but anyway, his, his writing, you know, always makes you think, always eloquent, um, always worth um, examining, you know, and it's part of the like shake race SAA sort of movement getting started there. And and I think it's just a sort of a profound look at some characters 
um, who who get written a lot about in terms of race and Shakespeare, obviously, but not in this way necessarily, because male sexual assault and particularly sexual assault of black males is not something that comes up a lot, even in modern culture, let alone, you know, early modern plays. So his final paragraph, and I'll just leave you with this. Um, but what if people heard black boys and men looked deep into their eyes and saw their emotional and psychological pain, looked at their bodies, not to sexualize, objectify or fetishize them, but to observe the physical signs of trauma, the unhealed wounds and scars that are tattooed reminders of pasts that haunt them daily. The Aaron's princes of Morocco, Othello's and Caliban's of the world deserve to breathe. Hear us and unbury us. I love so. him. His work is so yeah. strong. Yeah. I am so excited that he's coming to the Blackfriars as a keynote speaker, man. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. He's mm-hmm. going to bring that house down. It's going to be great. Um, so everybody look for his article if you're interested in, in reading more about that. Yep. Um, it's a really, really good thought-provoking piece. So any other bits of shakes bubble gossip yes so this is huge this is huge and exciting and we're like a week behind on it but it's still like ongoing and exciting so it's we're gonna talk about it it's a big deal so um so milton's folio has apparently been found well not found or like identified identified got it yeah it wasn't missing we knew we knew that it existed, sort of. Sure. It, it just took a little bit of handwriting corroboration. Yeah. So once upon a time, 10 years ago, <laughs> when that incredibly wonderful human being, Claire Bourne, was um, a grad student at one of the Penn schools. I can't tell the difference between UPenn and Penn State. Is it the school where she's now teaching? No, I think it's the oh, other okay. one. Well, then it, I think it's UPenn. Sure. So she was a grad student at UPenn. Um, I'm sure it would tell us in the article if we bothered yes, to open there are, the There are a couple of articles. Um, I put in one that's in the Just New York Times. There are like a billion. I know, but I mean on our anyway, list that yeah, we are yeah, going to link yeah. to. Uh, and then there's another right, one from so, The Guardian that we're referencing right now. So, Right. So she, she was a grad student. She um, went to the Free Library, which is in Pennsylvania somewhere, Um as a like a on a class tour and they have a first folio that has a whole bunch of um 17th century handwriting annotations Mm -hmm. in it and she was like yo this is cool let me work on this on and off for the next while um and then some years after that she published an article about it in a collected uh a collection an edited collection on um book history uh and had been told, like, don't publish this work here. It's going to get buried. Nobody reads edited collections, which, like, the fuck? People read edited collections all the goddamn time. Screw you, whoever <laughs> said that. Fast forward to, like, this summer, and this guy in England read Claire's article, mm-hmm. saw the images of the book, and went, I recognize this handwriting this is John Milton's handwriting. Yeah, that that scholar, his name is Jason Scott Warren. Just to, yes, Jason Scott Warren. Just to give some names. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and apparently yeah. he slid into Claire Bourne's DMs <laughs> to yeah. verify, and that's kind of how this yeah. happened, which is crazy. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Like, it's... I don't really have anything else to say about it at the moment other than, like, holy shit, it's so fucking cool, because... 
I mean, I'm so I'm so into annotations and marginalia anyway. I'm mm-hmm. obviously into Shakespeare. I kind of fucking hate Milton. Um, but I think it's so fantastic to have his copy of the plays, right? And to be able to read what he thought about them and what sort of stuff he was doodling in the margins and his sort of takes on things and and what he would have done with it. Um, It's, I mean, it's like the find of the century, frankly. Uh, And what's really the most cool, I think, about this whole project, right, is that this guy, Jason Warren, um, didn't see it and go, aha, this foundation is allowing me to have my breakthrough career moment that will allow me to walk into any university anywhere for the rest of my life and get a job. But he emailed Claire and was like, this is what I think. Can we collaborate on this and make it work? Yeah. And Claire already is such a beacon of light in the field she is advocating constantly for more inclusion and more collaboration and honestly her that she is getting written about now in the new york times the goddamn new york times um Mm -hmm. it it couldn't happen to a more incredible generous scholar and i'm just i'm so tickled for for her and for jason and for the field and for my nerd brain <laughs> to look at things yeah yeah so according to the new york times article mm-hmm. some of what is in this uh full, some of milton's annotations are um he has let's see i'm just going to quote from the article scholars have long believed that the annotations which range from tiny textual markings to a handwritten edition of the prologue to Romeo and Juliet, which was not printed in the first folio, uh, were done by two separate 17th century readers. Um, But since this collaboration, they are increasingly convinced that it's just Milton. The notes appear to show Milton editing the text, not to better Shakespeare, as some people maybe thought, um, but really to correct typographical and other errors. And and then there's just like, they, they have some photos uh, of this particular folio. There's like words mm-hmm. etched in the margins, just like mm-hmm. fixing spelling errors and whatever. So it's, it's really, really exciting uh, for Miltonians and Shakespeareans alike. Yeah. Uh, and I guess maybe we should say John Milton... Um mid to late 17th century poet best known for Paradise Lost. Yes. Just just in case yeah. uh, you, Milton you who? have gotten here. Right. I hate Milton. I hate Milton. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, I have no feelings about Milton. I have not studied the man, really. I know the name. I know Paradise Lost, again, by name bull, recognition. Bull. Don't but, ever uh, try to read it. You know what's funny, though? I literally just taught a workshop to a Milton literature class at a university, and it was a scansion workshop. And of course, yeah, we're a, the Shakespeare Center, right? So like I went down there and I was like, well, um, I guess scansion is like universal to anybody who writes an iambic pentameter. So like, let's do this. Um, yep. They seem to get something out of it. It was kind of cool, but it was a weird sort of coincidental crossover. Like this article <laughs> and this had just blown up about the the Milton folio. Uh, and yeah. then I went, <laughs> I went and taught that workshop, which was bizarre. And I was like, hey guys, I know jack squat about Milton, but it's cool. Uh, yeah. So that's really interesting. Um, yeah. And we'll throw links up on the website yes, we to will. these stories. Yeah, so yeah, we definitely click will. into them and go read about it for yourself because it's fascinating and also 
look out for Claire Bourne's book, which is coming out probably uh, early, middle of next year, and it's going to be amazing. It's not on Milton. Yeah. Um, but also, if you like that sort of thing, and if you like following awesome scholars on Twitter, she does have a Twitter oh, presence. She does. Her She's so great on Twitter. Twitter handle, I'm trying to like quickly find it it's right now. It's Roaring Girl with an E on the oh, end. Oh, well, there you go. At Roaring Girl with an with E an on e. the end. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so if you want to follow her and keep up with more amazing discoveries that I'm sure she'll be mm-hmm. making and contributions to the field. Mm-hmm. so Yeah, uh, the other guy's on Twitter, too. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and his, his handle is J-E-S and then some numbers. Sure. <laughs> that one I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, but Claire, uh, I'm, I'm dialed in. J-E-S-1-0-0-3. Jason Scott Warren. That's... What did I say? It's J-E-S and some numbers. Yes. Well, there you go. I mean, I want to, you know, let's get it right. People yeah, want to follow yeah, you guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Follow him. Great. All right, everybody. Well, um, thank you so much for listening. We hope you leave this podcast more informed than when you started. Tune in next week for All's Well That Ends Well 201. Going to be great. Aubrey's going to have some feelings. She's going to drive oh, the bus next week. I am. I mean, it. okay, in our script, it says, all's well 201 with a special guest, a.k.a. Aubrey's feelings. My feelings are going to... Guests. They are a special guest. They're going to be outside of me. All right, okay. <laughs> it's going to be an out-of-body experience for me. You don't even know. All right. Wham it out. If you enjoyed our podcast, please tell your friends, rate us, leave us a review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. For show notes and other fun stuff, you can visit our website at www.hurlyburlyshakespeareshow.com. Yeah, get in touch with us. Tell us what you're working on and thinking about. Email us at holla at hurlyburlyshakespeareshow.com. You can also find us at hurlyburlyshakes on Instagram. Or at hurlyburlyshake, no S, on Twitter. The Hurly Burly Shakespeare Show is produced and edited by Aubrey Whitlock and Jeff Hamlin. All opinions you heard are strictly our own and not affiliated with the institutions we represent. Thunder and lightning. Ooh, in post, you should put in some noises. Oh my god, I have a thunder tube around here somewhere. I just don't know where the fuck it is. Okay, hang on, hang on. I might know where it is. Hang on. All right. Where is it? (gasps) Yes! Jesus Christ. Yay! Okay. Are you ready? Are you ready? I I am. I'm going to lead you in again. Okay, and I get to okay. do the lightning, thunder and lightning yeah, again? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say great. it, and then you okay. can do it. Okay? Awesome. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thunder and lightning. <laughs>